0: Hey, so this morning, I, I have a, a word that the Lord put in my heart to share with you. Uh, it's called Instructed in the Song of the Lord. And when I get to Isaiah 54 in, in a couple minutes, um, it will hopefully make a little more sense to you. But um, this, uh, this is a passage that came into my life 28 years ago, and uh, 29 years ago actually. And, uh, and so I, it's, it's one of these things, and I hope you have this in your, in your life. I hope there are scriptures that correspond with seasons of your life. There should be scriptures in your life that the Lord uses to get you over a hurdle, to get you through a difficulty, to, that the Lord will give you to beat up on the devil when you got to beat up on the devil, right? There, there are, the, the scripture is there for, to, to make you an overcomer and so in order for you to overcome you you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony but the word of your testimony is only made powerful as you connect it with the word of the lord does that make sense it, it, he doesn't leave you dangling out there and say, "Figure it out, son. Figure it out, daughter." He said, "No, I've given you everything you need for life and for uh, godliness through my uh, through the knowledge of me. So here's my word, and I'm going to instruct you." And and so Isaiah 54 helped Holly and I through a season of our life. So it's very special to us. But then it came back to me uh, on our dr trip. I was uh, I was sitting in a ladies' conference. Um, because my wife was preaching in the ladies' conference, not because I wanted to be in the ladies' conference. And uh, though, you know, uh, though they did have music, and it was a much more attractive environment than the men's conference. And uh, so I hasten to say. But anyway, uh, the, so I got done preaching in the men's conference, and I wanted to hear Holly speak. And before she got up to speak, um, there was a, a, a woman evangelist in there. And as she was telling her testimony, um, this may not matter to you, but it matters to me, um, and uh and I got the mic, so, uh, (laughs) but I just want you to understand how the Lord will do things, Um, so as she was sharing her testimony about how far she was from God, and how that she said, I started telling, she said, here I'm an evangelist, and I started telling people, "I, I don't believe you can trust God, I don't believe you can trust God at all. God, God's not going to talk to you. And he was just, she was talking about how she had, she had backslidden to the place that she was just so far away from the Lord. And she said, but I'd hit rock bottom. And she said, I got to this place where I was like, well, what do I do now? And she said, I looked and my, I saw a Bible. And I'm like, well, I don't even believe in God. So I don't know why I should read this Bible. But she took her Bible. She took it down and she said... Well, what if you're going to say something, what would you say? And she said, in, in, that, in that moment, Holy Spirit spoke to me. She's going to read Isaiah 54. And I told Holly right then, she was, I whispered, I said, I know what she's going to say. I know what she's going to say. I knew it before she opened. And, and she did. She opened up. She said, Isaiah 54 says. And it may not have been for anybody else, but I knew it was for me to remind me of something that I had, I had put on the shelf. Remind me of something that I had forgotten in the Lord that is still part of my inheritance today. See, that's the thing in God. You never lose it. The inheritance is always there. But sometimes we go through a season and we forget the miracle or we forget the thing that God did because we incorporate it into our life and then we go on to the next season. And so me bringing, him bringing me in remembrance of this word was an indicator that He wants you to know something that's already in me, but you need to be understanding of it and you need to walk in it. So let me tell you a little bit of background about what instructed in the song of the Lord means. We we get the phrase from the passage in your notes, and if you have U version, I'll I'll just remind you. Uh, if you have U version, the U version app on your phone, you can go to the little. Uh, the little uh, dash section over at the bottom that says more down on the bottom, click on that and uh, click on events and then the, the sermon is right there. All the notes that I'm using, I just have the U version app open and it's, it's all there. It's actually more there than what you have in your notes there because we're limited on space there. But in First Chronicles chapter 25, verse 1, moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service. Some of the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jeduthun, and who should prophesy? Who should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals? And the number of the skilled men performing their service was. And then I, I skip down to verse seven. So the number of them with their brethren who were instructed in the songs of the Lord, all who were skillful, was two hundred and eighty-eight. Now, the reason that I, I share that with you is because if you understand uh, biblical history, then you understand that under the reign of David as king, that the boundaries of Israel were at their maximum that they had ever been under any king ever. That David had expanded the, the kingdom of Israel further than any of the kings who went before him and any of the kings who were after him. And it's no coincidence that David was a mighty man when it came to battle but he was a singer of songs from the time he was a very young boy and he understood the worship of the Lord and he understood the importance of the worship of the Lord so much so that uh, at times you remember the story about how when, uh, when Saul had an evil spirit tormenting him and what did he do he called for David to come with that harp and as David played the harp the the demonic forces that were bothering Saul dissipated right So David understood that God trains my hands for war, but he also understood what it meant to worship the Lord and the splendor of his holiness. And, and so David said, Hmm, what could I do but that I bring the armies together and I put praisers together in this army. That He took 288, could have been very vital fighting men, but instead of having them pick up a sword and a shield, he had them picked up, pick up stringed instruments and said, we're going to have worship in this army. And so this army understood that worship was significant as well as being trained for battle. And so David understood this, and, and so because of that, Israel expanded to its, its, uh, its largest size that it had ever been under any, any leadership up to that point. So when you and I understand that it is the nature of God to fill things, say that out loud, it's the nature of God to fill things. That God wants his, the knowledge of his glory to fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. It's God's nature to fill things. Give him an opportunity and he will expand himself into it. We're not just talking about air. We're talking about the presence of God. But when we think of uh, us, ourselves as human beings, the human being is the only creature that has the capacity to form words and express music. Birds express music but they don't form words. Human beings created in the image and likeness of God have the capacity to create words, to form words, uh, to have intelligent song and express music at the same time. So this is a powerful combination. And so when you and I are instructed in the song of the Lord, we have the components that, that are necessary to expand anything in our lives and allow the kingdom of God to move into it. The problem is, many times, is that we find ourselves in a spot where we feel worthless. Anybody ever feel worthless? Any, anybody have a, an area of your life that you're less than proud of? I've got both hands and a foot. Uh. There are, there are things in our lives that just because of our humanness, we, we feel like we're somehow, you know, damaged goods. We're discounted. We've got baggage. We've got stuff hanging around. And, and you know, God's not pleased with that. And, 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 you know, we begin to fill in the blanks on all these areas that we are not proud of, areas that we feel weak in. But yet Paul understood something different. He said, in my weakness, he is strong right Paul found the way to make this exchange happen between the 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 bigness and the awesomeness of God and the weakness and smallness of man and and so here's a a component that goes along with it and I want to I want to talk with you from Isaiah 54 today but I wanted to do me a favor you're gonna be sitting for a little bit why don't you stand up with me and let's read this text together all of us out loud Um, Let's just read this text together because, and I want you to, you know, I want you to, I want you to express yourself in this text the way I heard Sean Curtis baptize those kids on Friday night. You know what I'm talking about. He was excited to be baptized in Jesus' name. You get the trophy, Sean, for the most exuberant water baptisms. They were awesome. They were awesome. All right. So I, I want you to, like this prophet who was speaking a word of life, To a woman who had nothing going for her, she felt worthless. But he's got a word that is going to change her world. Notice what he says, and let's read it together. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected says your God. For a brief moment, I abandon you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a great word? Okay, you can be seated. I want to talk to you uh, particularly about the singing uh, the, 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 the song of the Lord, and then as it relates to the stretching forth. This passage is so powerful, I could preach for a week on it. You don't have that much time in one setting. Some preachers preach by the clock, others by the calendar. I won't be that guy. This passage, if you if you think about what this word is coming to... What you have to realize is that this woman was powerless to bring forth what it was that God was saying she could have. We said it earlier, all of us have felt powerless in some area of our life, all of us have felt uh, barren, we felt empty. Some of you might be there today in some area of your life. This word is for you. This wasn't just for some woman back then. I love that, uh, that Isaiah 54 comes right at the end of the passage of the suffering servant talking about Jesus in Isaiah 53. Powerful, powerful connection there between the two. And so Isaiah brings this word to a woman at, at the place where she would have felt the smallest. Think about this. I mean... Uh, Every, every place where the Judeo Christian ethic has been taught, women have been elevated, even from the time all the way back then. But yet, a woman in, in uh, Isaiah's day would have been more property then she would have been considered a contributor. Um, so a woman to not have children would have lowered her value and placed her and made her feel as though she were a burden, made her feel that she was less than uh, what a woman should be. And she could do nothing about it because she was barren. So she wasn't a, a, a productive member of society. She was a, a drain or a drag or excess baggage and yet the word of the Lord comes to her in the place of her uh, of her weakness the word of the Lord comes and God says this is what I'm going to do on your behalf in fact I'm going to do so much in this area of your weakness that everybody else is going to stand and be amazed because they're going to look at what you have done and what's been done in your life and they're going to recognize that wow this wasn't you this was God this was a God thing right and so the first thing that I, I want you to see that he exhorts her to do is that is to sing. He says when, uh, in, in your notes, when we sing into our barrenness, we proclaim God's power to bring life to dead things. God's power to bring life to dead things. You are here today. Because many of you, most of you, probably in this room, somewhere along the line, did what those little children did, and and you said yes to Jesus. Let me hasten to say quickly that kids don't come to Jesus um, the way adults often come to Jesus. When for for a child to respond to the gospel, they don't have decades of things to repent over. That's why case in point, you know, Pastor Catherine was saying rededication at seven years old. Boy, that's pretty amazing, right? I mean, like how much nasty sin did they really get into by the time they were seven years old? Kids kids come to kids come to the Lord as a as a decision. I hear the message and and Holy Spirit prompts me. And, and, they, and but they can know it's 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 not less than. It's just then. When for them to respond to the Lord, it's a it's a decision. I choose to ask Jesus into my life. And you can ask them. You know, when they come to the Lord at four, five, six, seven years old, you can ask them and they'll say, Yeah, Jesus in my heart. It's a real matter of fact about it, right? You talk to a grown-up, yep. <laughs> they're, they're thinking about all the things that they did wrong and how, feel, how sorry they feel for all of that stuff. And my love was a train wreck and all that kind of stuff. And they're, they're, they're grieving the loss of all the train wreckness. Right. I spent all my time wrecking that train and now Jesus just renews me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? And, and so they don't have anything to repent of when they're kids. They just choose the Lord as a, matter of, as a matter of fact. This is, I was presented with the truth and I received the Lord. It doesn't, just because there's, I'm saying all this to say, just because there's not a lot of emotion attached to it, we shouldn't think that it's less than. That's right. That's right. And, and we need to treat them. Let me tell you, because kids have to deal with the real devil God doesn't put a Holy Spirit Jr. on the inside of them. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in every child that says yes to Jesus. And you know what? The devil is trying to destroy our kids. How much more do they need the power of God in their lives? And so it's very important for us that we always honor the way the, that decision in the life of a child. Amen? We always honor that and so I thank God to be a part uh, of a group that does that. And, and so here's the, here's the reality. Uh, I said all that to say this. We're here because we believe in Jesus who was raised from the dead. Y'all are a crazy bunch of folk. <laughs> to believe that somebody's safely dead for three days was actually raised up. Come on, you are a crazy bunch of folk. <laughs> right? But isn't that what we believe? Because the scripture tells us that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that what? God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Right? It doesn't say that if you believe in an exact 24-hour, six-day creation, we added that. It, it doesn't say that if you did it, if you, if you, only if you believe this that you'll be saved, or only if you believe that. It says, no, in order for you to know God and to go to heaven, and, to, and so that you can call God your heavenly father, you have to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I'm going to take that basis for knowledge and I'm going to take it a step further because the book of Romans tells us that he who spared not his own son but gave him freely up for us all how will he not freely with him give us all things that if he didn't spare Jesus and God took someone dead and raised them for life uh, to life so that you and I could have access to everything else that he's made available to us how much more does he want to bring more dead things to life in your life He's not limited because you believe that God already raises dead things to life. Well, Pastor Ken, that was just for me to be a new creation in Christ Jesus and go to heaven, right? No. No. That means that God can resurrect dead dreams in your life. God can resurrect dead relationships in your life. God can resurrect dead hopes in your life. God can resurrect, uh, you know, situations that you thought it's just over, it's just done with, it'll never happen. No. Sing, O barren. Sing, O barren, you who never bore a child. And I'll show you what I can do. And so when we take the song of the Lord and we begin to sing into our darkness, into our barrenness, into our brokenness, and we begin to offer the Lord a song in a place where we don't feel like singing. Do you think she felt like singing right then? He said, it, notice, he calls her Baron. He doesn't call her by her name. Sing, O oh, Baron." Boy, that just calls me out. Thank you, God, very much. <laughs> Have you ever learned that sometimes the most important truth to hear is the hardest one? Man, I don't want to hear it. But if I don't hear it, I don't get on the other side. I know I'm stuck. Stop telling me I'm stuck. That would just really be bad form, except the Lord gives her an instruction that will bring her on the other side, that will bring her over, that will get her through. So when he tells her to sing, it's not because she's going to feel like it right then. Oh, church. I'm going to step on some toes. Bring it on, man. If I had a dime for every time I heard a saint say, I don't feel like it. Oh, boy. When I give him a word. Well, I, I know that's the word... Uh, The book of second opinion says, I know that's the word of the Lord, but this is what I think. This is what I feel. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got chapter and verse. My chapter and verse trumps how you feel and three angelic visions. Because God wrote it down. Right? Sing, O Baron. Sing. What do you do? In those moments when you don't feel like praising God, that's when you praise God. In those moments where it's darkest, that's when you bring the light. In those moments when it just doesn't feel like it's going to work, you begin to worship. You begin to exalt him. Why? Because he is the only one that can bring the dead to life. He is the only one. And you know what he's looking for? He's looking for somebody to partner with him and to sing prophetically a word into that space, into that place where there is darkness, where there is barrenness in the face of of what everything around you is telling you it's not going to work. And it's screaming that it's wrong. And you say, but I got a word. I got a word. My God raises the, raises the dead. That's right. I cannot deny that. To deny that my God raises the dead would be to mean that the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen. Or the resurrection of Jesus didn't work or didn't apply. So every situation, can I just tell you, this is what gives me hope and gets me up every day. God, this is your day. And you have a solution for every problem that I am facing. And because I know that, I have hope. And because I know that, I'm going to step up and I'm going to square off with whatever it is. And I'm going to begin to sing your word over it. Why? Because it works. It works. It works. It works. So when I, I sing, in those moments, when I sing wrong, wrong. Where did it go? There we went. When I sing, into that barrenness, I proclaim God's power. Sometimes one of the things the enemy does is he gets us to feeling empty. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just feel like you got nothing. You feel like you poured it all out, you know. Uh, we, We have capacities. It's almost like we're, this would be a technical phrase, right? But we're, we're like capacitors that get a recharge, but then, then we, we go through a season or we go through an event or we go through a circumstance and, and, and our char- Jesus' says, power has gone out from me. We know what he was talking about when that woman with the issue of blood touched him and he said, huh, something happened here. And, and he knew that power had gone out from him. There There is an exchange oftentimes and we oftentimes don't really, it doesn't register on our dashboard that we're drained. It doesn't register that, you know, I've had five conversations this week and all of them were heavy and now I'm feeling a certain way and now I'm more vulnerable than I ever have been and I don't even realize, I don't think it. I'm like, what's wrong with me? What's going on with me? I'm not, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. Well, the reason is because you got yourself empty. You 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 empty. You, you bumped up against the world. Yeah, sometimes you bump up against the saints of God. Things don't turn out the way you want them to. And and, and this is just a natural thing that happens with our lives. You you know, as Christians, we leak. Right? We, we leak. We leak vision. We leak power. We leak faith oftentimes. We just leak that being in our world causes us to be drained. When I sing into my emptiness, I prophesy God's fullness over my lack. Amen. Here's what Colossians tells us. It says, all the fullness, do this with me, it just feels good. All the fullness of the deity dwelled in bodily form in the person of Jesus Christ. All the fullness of the deity. Everything that you want to know about God, you find in Jesus. All the fullness. God didn't leave anything out. All the fullness of the deity dwells in Christ in bodily form. And then he goes on to say, and you have been given fullness in Christ. And you. Touch your neighbor and say, that includes you. And you have been given fullness in Christ. God, God leaves you uh, with no lack. God gives you everything that you have need of. God has supplied for you in Christ everything you need. Well, I need Jesus and I need a... No, you don't. You need Jesus. Because if you start adding to, eventually you take away from the gospel. You take away from the sufficiency of Jesus for what you have need of. What has Jesus supplied? He has supplied for you the Holy Spirit. He has supplied for you the Word of God. He has supplied for you the body of Christ. He has supplied for you the grace to flow over into your life for everything that you have need of. He has supplied to you wisdom. Where do I find it? Go to the ant you sluggard. And you will find wisdom. Right? Wisdom cries aloud. We need more wisdom. Let him ask of God. Sometimes you just have to look and see at what God has made. And you can gather wisdom. All of these things God has provided for us. But sometimes when you're feeling empty, the best thing that you can do is not try to work, but just to sing. Just to sing. Sing over that situation. Why why does that work? Well, Job tells us that when God created the world that the angels, the, the morning stars sang together. I can just imagine when God was ready to create, he just looked around, he just looked over to the angels and said, music to create by, please. Give me the creation playlist. And as the morning stars sang together, God began to just speak and create. Music is foundational to our world, isn't it? Yeah. It's foundational. There, there are places in the, in the scripture that are in the NIV that are set apart as poetic, but many scholars look at those poetic things and say, well, those were probably songs. Like when I see uh, Adam and Eve in the garden and this, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I think Adam broke out in song when he saw this creation of God that was, that was part of him but yet she was separate from him. But he looked at this creation of God and he gets all poetic. It's a good word, guys. The ladies love love it when we do the lines. <laughs> Be poetic with your bride. So... Here's the the reality uh, that that when we're feeling empty, that's the time to sing. That's the time to take what belongs to the Lord and begin to sing over, sing into, sing through. Um, Before I get to that next part, let me tell you why this is so personal. So a number of years ago, I was on staff here uh, one day a week. And I was a minister of the day. I was a children's pastor. Did whatever needed to be done. That was benevolence. That was hospital visits. That was take out the trash. I did whatever I had to do. And uh, the rest of the time, I was working my own job. And um, Holly and I had decided that we were going to start a family. And so we had waited. This was we were getting ready to go into our fourth year. We wanted to have a child by the time we were in our fifth year. And uh, and you know, all all things being regular, we were not getting pregnant. And uh, didn't know what that was about. It was a little disconcerting because we just thought it would just happen really quick. And so I remember walking down the hall one day and I was talking to Tom Davis um, and he's in one of the offices there. And I, I said, hey, Tom, you know, pray for us. We, we really want to have a child and, and uh, we haven't been able to conceive and not quite sure what that is. I don't know if we need to go see a doctor. Don't know sure, you know, what, what we need to do. We, we, we were using all the knowledge we knew still nothing was happening. And uh, so he said, you know, he said, uh, I got this tape in the mail the other day. I want you to listen to it. I was just listening to it. It was by Jack Hayford. It was called Instructed in the Song of the Lord. And, uh, and it was on the same text that I'm sharing. And he, he, uh, I listened to the, the tape. I, I, I vaguely was familiar with Jack Hayford. But that day he became my, my favorite pastor ever. And uh, I listened to Pastor Jack talk about this text and share some of the things that I'm sharing with you now. Um, and he he talked about when when things are barren, you you've got to you've got to infuse worship of God in the midst of it. You just got to fill that space. You got to fill the empty void with praise. And as you fill the empty void with praise, um, you'll see the activity of God. God will begin to move. And uh, and so he tells a story how that a couple uh, had had taken uh, this. Text. He said, we began to uh, teach them about that, and they were infertile, and he said, nine months later, we dedicated their child in our church. I was like, hey, if that miracle was going around, I want some of that. And so we, we, we literally did the, the recipe, the cookbook approach. We just, we had a little house that we were renting over on Margaret Drive, and, uh, and so, at some point through the day, um, Holly would do it, I would do it together. Uh, Sometimes we do it separate. We just walk through the house, and this is what it, this is what it was like. And because because I'm, you know, this isn't about being a singer or sounding good. This is about taking a tool that God gives you and you use it to the best of your ability. You just use it. You just it, God honors you for the obedience, not can you carry a tune in a bucket? Are you with me? And and so so I just would walk through the, the house and say Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you for our miracle, child. Hallelujah, Lord. You're the one that takes what we cannot see and makes it real. And we would just I just walk through and I would praise God, and sometimes there'd be a song and I would sing the song. And, and and let me tell you, it's okay to lean on that. If there's something that God ignites in your heart that somebody else is singing that song and it does what what needs it, then turn that song on and sing along with it. It's okay. But I'm just telling you what we did. But we just began to walk through the house. And the next Mother's Day that came around, three women, and I don't recommend you ever do this, but I'm going to tell you what these ladies did. Three separate women who did not talk to one another all came to my wife and said, next Mother's Day, you're going to have a child. In fact, uh, one of our gals had a dream three different times, and she, she got, a, a, she got a, a, a flower for Holly and gave it to her. And uh, Heather was born in March. And, and the next Mother's Day, of course, was May. And uh, but but within just a short amount of time, these the, we had these three confirming words that went along with it. And I look at my Heather, and I say, "That is the miracle of God. Yes. That is the miracle of God." Now. Now, a lot of times, let me, let me hasten to say this quickly. A lot of times, one of the things that we do is we, we, we come to God and we think, okay, I haven't broken any rules, so therefore I deserve whatever. And can I tell you that, I, you know, in my life, I was walking as best I knew how in serving the Lord that I... That I had not violated any of the Ten Commandments or any of the, the thou shalt nots that you would find in the Scripture. But for some reason, my life and my, and my wife, our, our marriage was barren in regards to having a child. So, so there wasn't anything that we had uh, done or not done. Are you, are you tracking with me? But there's an obedience of faith that is required in the life of believers. God didn't save you just so you could float on your way to heaven. He saved you because he wanted to reveal his glory in your life. He saved you because he wanted a word of faith to rise up in your spirit. And by that word of faith, he would get glory from your life. Are you tracking with me? He doesn't want you to just get by. And this is the stretching part that's important for us. This is what you got to understand. I know a lot of people that say, all I want is just enough for me and my family. And I would say, you are the most stingy person on the planet. Do you know why? Because God is jealous for his own glory. And he wants to get a return on the investment of his word in your soul. And you ought to be bearing 30, 60, and 100-fold return. And the only way that's going to happen is if you take those tent, uh, those tent cords and you begin to expand them. And you say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to add 5 feet onto the house. He said, not big enough. You better add 10 more feet onto your house. Not big enough. you got to add 20 or 30 feet onto this house. Not big enough. Why? Because he said your, your children are going to dispossess nations. You, got, you can't have one. You've got to have 50. You've got to have 100. Why? Because it's God. Yeah, that's right. It's God. It's not going to be of you. It's going to be of God. You're just a participant in what he wants to do. He wants to stretch out your understanding. I read somewhere exceedingly abundantly above. All that you could ever, 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 ever ask or think or even imagine according to his power that's at work within you. That's what he wants to do. Amen. So when we stretch and lengthen our cords and ropes, we're expanding our perimeter into new territory that the enemy inhabits. And God's power will overcome the works of darkness. When you are stretching your tent cords, what you're doing is you're going into the enemy's territory and saying, we're going in there. We're going in there. He's got nothing to say. We're going in there. And how do we go in? With a song. We go in with a song. You don't, have to, you don't have to have a sword. You don't have to have a gun. You go in with a song. You go in and celebrate the victory that God has already made. And you know what? You're pushing back the darkness. Can I tell you? We threw the gauntlet down for 116 kids this past week. We preached the gospel where for many of them, the gospel is never gone. You think we're not going to get some heat for that? Yes, we will. But we're going to rejoice in the Lord because we're doing what he's called us to do amen we're we're taking new territory we're taking new ground we've got to stretch it out uh, pastor tono and beatrice are here because we're gonna stretch it out right over into the hispanic community we're gonna take ground in the in the, in the where, where the gospel is not gone from this house in espanol but it's gonna go out in espanol and we're gonna take new ground what do we have to do we got to stretch it out why because god wants to fill it in with his glory We can't. Amen. (laughs) Amen. When we strengthen our stakes, here's what's going to have to happen. You can't just stretch it out and put all that tension on and not go down deep. How many of you have ever heard the old preacher saw new levels, new devils? Whenever you want to go to a new level in God, you're going to experience push back you're going to experience uh negative things people around you saying well you know maybe you should have walked in wisdom more maybe you should have maybe it was the wrong time maybe you shouldn't have you know you shouldn't have jumped when you jumped they're always going to tell you that people who launch out in faith are considered in that moment to the be be the most unreasonable people ever huh come on you know what i'm talking about that's ridiculous why would you do that now pastor ken don't you know there's a recession coming up we got to get ready for a recession no we no we don't we got to get ready for jesus to come back and we got to act like we're doing something down here we got to act like we're we got to act like that we serve a king who who has a kingdom uh whose rule will never end amen So we've got to stretch it out. We've got to to go further. We've got to do more. We've got to dig deeper. And how do you overcome a new devil? Is it a new plan, a new strategy? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. How do you expand? You sing. You sing. You worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. How did Israel take new ground? They put the praisers out front. I don't know. Maybe they were better targets. I don't know. But, it, but really what I think it was <laughs> is that like, oh, these guys, that, you know, they, we're just going to put the praisers out front and we're going to watch God work. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So, so when you're stretching out your, your tent course, you've got to go down deep. In the word, and this is important for some of you because you've been waiting for God and God's been waiting for you. He's saying, Pick up the song, begin to begin to worship me and begin to expand what I want to do. He, you know, a lot of times we say, God just blessed my little bit. He said, I'm not gonna bless your little bit. Well, God, if you'll bless my little bit, then I'll do more. He's like, I don't want to be involved with your little bit because that's all flesh, that's all carnal. You can fill that cup yourself. I'm the God that creates oceans. I'm the God that has a sky that's full of rain. I'm the God that that can uh, see the end from the beginning. And I want you to expand. And I want you to build on what you know you ought to be building on. And if your testimony is, we had no strategy of heaven other than to sing. What'd you do? We got together and we sang. He said, sing, so we sang. And we kept singing, and we kept singing, and we kept singing. And what did God do? He did the miracle. That's right. That prophetic word began to flow. Life began to crop up. And God just did what God wanted to do because we were simply obedient. Beloved, I don't want you to miss out on what God has for your life. But I have a sneaking suspicion that somewhere that you have experienced smallness or barrenness or diminishing that have all the marks of the enemy on it. And God is saying today that if you will begin to believe Him to expand, to step out and do what it is that you have not done, and in that meantime, you just begin to sing to the Lord. You just begin to offer that up to God. You know, you know what's going to happen. God is going to come through, and he's going to push back the fears. Notice in that text that, that the, the reproach of her widowhood, she would never remember again. Hallelujah. When Heather was born, it became very easy to forget that we didn't have any kids for a time. When Heather was born, we celebrated the life. You know, and, and it's been, I think I preached it one other time. But it took me going on a missions trip to come back and remind you of a word that God settled in my heart 28 years ago. 28 years ago. But it's just as real today for your life and for mine. Amen? Amen. Because God is the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why don't you stand this morning?